nous devons nous mettre au travail, premièrement pour, pour sortir de cette transition qui dure depuis 32 ans, parce que je dois vous dire que nous sommes dans une transition depuis 1986. Aujourd'hui, nous sommes en 2000, ça fait près, près de 34 ans, je veux dire, on va avoir en 2020, ça fait 34 ans depuis que nous sommes dans une transition. Quand je parle de, de transition, ce n'est pas possible qu'un pays en 34 ans, un pays à 15 présidents, a connu 15 présidents. Ça ne fait, fait aucun sens. Cela veut dire que c'est une crise permanente. Il faut sortir de cette crise permanente. Que, que vous allez être un dictateur dans le pays Non, ça n'existe pas. pas ça, c'est un point. C'est un président qui cherche un accord politique. C'est ça, ce que vous faites maintenant. Maintenant, là, nous sommes en plein travail mm -hmm. pour trouver cet accord politique avec les forces en présence dans le pays. Je parle des forces sociales, des forces politiques et des forces économiques pour trouver un accord. Et cet accord politique va nous permettre rapidement, je dirais dans un avenir proche, d'avoir des élections dans le pays. Et pour que le Parlement, la 51e législature, soit mise en place pour jouer son rôle. Le pays a cinq problèmes. Corruption, 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 corruption. Le personne. Je dis personne ne, ne pourra prendre ce dossier pour faire la chasse aux sorcières et des persécutions politiques. Je vois que des institutions qui sont là pour lutter contre la corruption, je constate leur faiblesse. Que la corruption, ce n'est pas seulement de lutter contre la corruption, mais il faut faire de la prévention aussi. Je président institutionnel, je crois dans les institutions de, de, de mon pays, mais avec cette, cette constitution, ces institutions ne peuvent pas jouer leur rôle réellement. Et la présidence, et l'exécutif, le, 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 et le législatif, et le judiciaire. Nous, nous, a, nous avons pris des actions, je dois vous dire que euh, je viens de vous parler de, de l'indépendance des, des pouvoirs. Et, que, et je sais que vous avez compris que le pouvoir judiciaire est libre. Nous avons pris des actions. Euh, quelle action C'est de dire au pouvoir judiciaire que nous sommes là pour encadrer en fait ce pouvoir en termes, quel que soit le besoin logistique que ce pouvoir va avoir, nous sommes prêts. Hello guys, welcome back to the 1804. Um, today we'll be covering a few topics, um, mainly the um, surveillance plant that went over um, Haitian airspace over the weekend, um, last weekend I should say, um, as well as this new UN report um, concerning the gang activities in Haiti, which is very interesting. Um, they made very interesting claims, which I want to explore with you guys, as well as a the training of a SWAT unit for the Haitian National Police trained by um, the U.S. So let's get into it right now. So over last weekend, um, abruptly announced, to be honest, on Saturday that Canada uh, deployed military aircraft over Haiti to disrupt, allegedly to disrupt gangs. Um, so this, I'll get into the article here. 
The Canadian government said on Sunday it deployed a military aircraft over Haiti to address what it called a dire security situation and to support efforts to disrupt the activities of Haitian gangs. Canada said in a statement that it supports the Haitian National Police and deployed a Royal Canadian Air Force RCAF CP-140 Aurora Long Range Patrol aircraft in response to Haiti's request for support as violence continues to escalate in the country. Um, before I continue, like I said, they um, this was just abruptly announced in the sense that it's announced that this was going to go over Haitian airspace um, to gain intelligence. Um, now, on the other side, though, you could on um, you could argue that it was announced abruptly. So, um, if the intent uh, was to actually um, gather information on gangs, um, there would not, in my opinion, there wouldn't be any better way than to do it as a surprise rather than announce it ahead of time and then the gangs, um, however they would do it, prepare themselves to maybe not be seen or maybe not conduct certain activities they would usually conduct if they knew um, they weren't being surveilled. So let's continue. Haitian gangs have expanded the territory since 2021, assassination of then-President Jovenel Moïse. The resulting violence has left much of the country's off-limits off to the government and led to a routine gun battle with police. Haiti is expected to be on the agenda when U.S. President Joe Biden visits Canada next month. The Canadian Patrol aircraft will provide intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance capabilities to bolster efforts to establish and maintain peace and will remain in the region for a number of days, the Canadian government said. So here's also a news release from the National Defense here. Um, today, the Minister of National Defense, Anita Anand, and the Minister of Foreign Affairs, Manjoni, announced that Canada has deployed a um, Royal Canadian Air Force CP-140 Aurora long-range patrol aircraft to support Canada's efforts to disrupt the activities of gangs in Haiti and demonstrate Canada's commitment to the Haitian people. Canada is undertaking efforts to address the dire situation, uh, security situation in the country and supports the Haitian National Police. Canada is providing this assistance in response to Haiti's request for support as violence continues to escalate in the country. Um, what I find very funny, uh, they well, obviously you get a news release from Canada, but um, there was no official news release from the Haitian government itself. Um, no announcement at all. <laughs> this was all uh, Canadian. And you would think that they would put an, at least an announcement considering, it, concern, considering the fact that there's a plane in their air, airspace and mainly um, with the intent to disrupt gangs on Haitian soil. Yet there wasn't any announcement. Now, there was already talks about maybe Canada leading um, an intervention. And then we've seen news that uh, last week, just Jamaica has offered potential help. El Salvador offered technical assistance. Um, now, what do, what does this mean? This this um, plane flying over Haitian airspace. Well, there's two. There's uh, many implications in a sense that one, although if the intent is to help out and disrupt gangs, um, the permission to do that was given by a de facto government that's not elected. That's one thing. And again, I'll keep mentioning this again. This is a prime minister that was on the phone twice with the, one of the prime suspect in the Jovenel Moïse um, assassination, which Felix Badiou is still... Um, Joseph Felix Badiou is still wanted um, by the Haitian National Police for that. So that's one thing, too. Um, secondly, um, to me, at least, this is the 
at least Canada kind of testing the waters and see how people would react. Um, now, obviously, it'd be different if they had launched like mil- um um, like for example, I don't know how they call them, but like these type of assault planes hovering through the country, I'd see that as a act of aggression in a sense. Um, now these long range um, patrol aircraft, which basically, like they mentioned, provide intelligence, surveillance, and recognizance capabilities. Um, I think this is just them testing the waters to see how people will react to a potential um, intervention in the country. And the only reason I'm saying that is because. Um, well, there's two things. The the it was announced abruptly, but mainly for the intelligence for gangs. Um, I'm like, how committed are you? In the fact that you guys sent a plane, which you had. I'm assuming they had to fuel themselves, which costs money, just to send up information up to Ottawa or wherever to analyze the information captured by this plane. Um. And then with that information as well, what is it like? What are you going to do with it? Is it going to be given to the Haitian National Police so they can um, get intelligence and conduct their activities? That has not been explained as well. Um, on the Haitian side, nothing has been explained um, on this as well. Um, and it's a little sketchy too. Not I'm not trying to allude to anything, but and this is while where I'll get to the UN report and the, all the timing of this is. All the timing of these um, news outlets report um, covering Haiti is a little odd and seems coordinated in the sense that they, it seems like they're pushing for some type of intervention um, um, with this um, de facto government in place right now. Uh, that's what it seems to me. And I think it seems like they're trying to push this intervention before there is a new election that happens i think they're trying to do this while ariana is in power which they have to have about a year to do so so we'll we'll see how where where this goes but um i was personally surprised just and again i mentioned it before but just the abrupt announcement um of, of this it hovered over um haiti for two days we'll get something here so Canadian Armed Forces Village plane was heading home Tuesday after two intelligence co- uh, two intelligence collecting flights over Haiti. A military spokesperson, Captain Gramet Scott, said Tuesday that the long surveillance plane was originally signed to a U.S.-led counter-narcotics mission in the Caribbean before being tasked with conducting two flights over Haiti over two days. The CP-140 has been capturing information that will be used by the government of Canada to further assess the situation in Haiti. Scott said in an email statement. So I want to be clear. As before, I said if what if the police is going to use this information, it actually looks like the government of Canada is actually going to use the information they they captured. There's no mention, at least by this gentleman here, Scott, um, military spokesperson, Scott, that the Haitian National Police will even have access or use this type of information, which then again leads me to think what was the intent of capturing. The surveillance, and if you're not going to share it with the Haitian National Police, um, why did you need this information personally? As to the um, speaking of the government of Canada, if they're not, if it's um, going to be used by government of Canada to assess the situation in Haiti, but not be used by the government of Haiti, so that's one thing as well. It wasn't immediately clear how the information will be used, though Haiti's unelected Prime Minister Ariane Henry has requested a foreign military intervention, which Washington says Canada ought to lead. And then again, this the AP article is referring to the request that Ariane Henry had done back in uh, 
um, November. So we'll see where this goes, but it's very, um, it's very interesting. And I doubt, um, this is my opinion. Um, there had, I think in terms of this mill, this, um, aircraft covering over, I personally think this was planned ahead of time. Um, I don't think that they, um, I think they picked a day. They said we're just going to deploy it on this day. Cause at the end of the day, um, obviously, um, I obviously was planned in the sense they let the people involved know that was going to happen, but I think this was way ahead of time. Um, plan maybe it could have been discussed at the summit could have been even discussed before then. Um, and by summit, I mean the three amigos summit that happened, um, couple weeks ago between the U.S., Canadians, and Mexican leaders. So next off here, an article from Al Jazeera. UN, right, um, UN Human Rights Chief calls on international powers to help Haiti. So this is Volker Turk right here. And Volker Turk is basically a human rights commissioner. United Nations um, Human Rights Chief has urged the national community to consider deploying a specialized armed force to Haiti. So the same narrative that's getting printed on the main media, um, just a push for a kind of international specialized force. They're not really supposed um, focusing on U.S. forces, but more like the narrative has shifted to a kind of specialized unit to help the police as well. I'm warning that violence gangs are creating and living nightmare for the thousands of people. The appeal from UN Rights Commissioner Volker Turk on Friday came at the end of two-day visit to Haiti at the request of its government, and then again, this de facto government, which has found itself unable to control gangs, killings, rakings, and pillaging in a growing numbers of neighborhoods. Violence has spiked in the impoverished country since the July 2021 assassination of Haitian President Jovenel Moïse. It is time for the national community to help Haitian authorities regain full control so the suffering can be stopped. Hours later, at an organization of American states meeting in Washington, D.C., the United States government said it would continue to discuss with international partners the possibility of sending a multinational force composed primarily of police. Francisco Mora, the U.S. ambassador to the OAS, said his country was still working with others to build a framework to provide security and stability for Haiti, adding that Washington would also soon implement new sanctions and visa restrictions. So, essentially, nothing new here. Um, and then the articles are referring to a report, which I'll I'll show you the report um, right now. But nothing new here. Push for an inter um, international task force to help out um, Haiti, but then, so, yeah, so if you go into UN report, and this is what the article is referring to, a new UN report warns of spikes in the spike in gang att attacks, gross human rights abuse in Haiti, okay? And then, so, this new report said that from, um, from eight, um, July 8th to Dece uh, December 31st, 2022, Gang violence resulted in 263 murders in the Brooklyn neighborhood of Cité Soleil, an impoverished, densely populated commune near the capital of Port-au-Prince. It documented that at least 57 gang rapes of women and girls, as well as kidnappings and sexual exploitation. On one day alone, um, July 8th, gang members murdered 95 people, including six children, one of whom was age of two, according to this report. So, before I get into this again, the G9 gang has spread terror by using uh, snipers who indiscriminately kill anyone who enter the field of vision, the report said, adding that on average six people are killed each week by snipers. So, again, the narrative, and so United Nations put sanctions 
out of all the gangs in Haiti, put the sanctions on Jimmy Seriezier, um alliance with the J9 and the JPEP itself. Um, they had not put um, sanctions on many gangs such as Vitalom, um, Katsama Ozo, who are then again responsible for most of the kidnappings that are going on in Port-au-Prince. Um, and a few others as well, but those two the main ones that have made the news multiple times. Um, Vitalum multiple times have, has allegedly, well, he stated this, but allegedly he's met with um, political uh, politicians um, discussing um, in terms of matters of power and territory. Um, he said this on radio shows as well, and I actually covered this. You can go back to the last episode. Um, I actually covered this where there's a recording of him saying that he had sat before Prime Minister Ariane Henry was Prime Minister. There was a discussion and he had sat down with them at the table. So there is that. Yet um, these people are nowhere to be found in these UN reports. But yet you have the G9. Again, again um, Jimmy Cherusier basically um, trying to protect these neighborhoods from the real gangs. Um, from that are committing crimes, rape, murder, and literally killing cops, um, police officers as well. But yet that is not me- um, mentioned in this report. And I'm I'm literally not mentioned. Like Vita Lum, like I just for fun, I put um, G9 in the report. It's a 24-page report. I put G9, it shows up 52 times. Um, Katsama also f- f- shows up about, f- I'll show you again, but about three times, but not in that, in, in, in a any truthful context and then vitalom gets no mention whatsoever um what you see here this is just the gang areas well i'll read here gang areas of operating in brooklyn as revision so it doesn't really show you much really it doesn't um it's not, it doesn't tell you what um what zones that uh, uh um which gangs operate with zones exactly, but it tells you which um, areas are op- um, controlled by gangs right here. So as you can get an idea here, um, all these, um, essentially all these uh, in color are c- controlled by gang. And then the two dogs right here, that's where you see the most victims that this report is referring to here, which is in, if I'm basing it off, oh yeah, well, in the neighborhood of Brooklyn in a bit, um, between Brooklyn and Boston neighborhoods. So I'll get into the report right here because I found it very interesting. So this is just the executive summary, and I'll get into it. So during the first week of July, the Brooklyn neighborhood recorded intense attacks carried out by gang G9 and family and allies. The following weeks and months witnessed an almost permanent climate of terror due to the use of snipers that kill at random any person who pass in their field of vision. Now, where are they getting this information? We already know that the RNDDH, the mainstream media ran with the report of the RNDDH, which allegedly said that Jimmy Chirizier conducted the La Saline uh, massacre. When when you hear when, uh, from the IT Liberté documentary and his side of the story, essentially what was happening during that time, they were recur- um, since he was a former cop, they're actually going back to the zone where um, there was a um, a failed mission, um, where had they had lost um, um police officer had, had died, so Jimmy Chazier and a, led a mission to go um recoup the bodies, and by trying to recoup the bodies, there was exchange of fires itself, and then but they painted that as a 
Um, they painted that as a massacre on Jim, where Jimmy Shirazi, where it wasn't exactly a massacre. There was guns exchanging on both sides, but they painted it as a um, a full massacre itself, um, which is not entirely tr- uh, which is not true at all. So they seem to be running with the narrative, and then again, this UN report is not um, in terms of where it's getting information. Um, we don't know. So under here, on exact and executive summary. At the same time. The G9 used other taxes to restrict the movement of people and block access to basic goods, notably the food and water, but also sanitation services, such as garbage collection. These taxes have further impoverished the local population, worsened extreme, an, an already extremely unsanitary environment, thus promoting the spread of infectious diseases. As such, cases of cholera were recorded in Brooklyn neighborhood as early as the beginning of October. Health service has not previously documented any in the country since 2019. Which then again, um, if you hear from people in Haiti, um, the, the the in terms of cholera, the crisis you could say is over, but cholera is always it's still in, in Haiti, like it never left. Um, so whether or not um, the health service has not documented or anything, like it's always been there, especially like after the um, the peacekeepers were there in the late two thousands, but they were um, the cholera never left the country. However, beginning July 2022, the attacks intensified, resulting in an increase in the number of persons killed and injured. In addition, the more frequent and intensely blockage of Brooklyn's entry and exit routes, which had begun in May 2020, with the creation of the G9 coalition, resulted in a deterioration of the health environment that may partially explain the resurgence of cholera cases. So here you can see the gangs associated with G9, JPEP, and then again, this all this whole report, which I'm not gonna go through, because honestly, it's so it's a complete waste of time when you look at it, because I can't take this report seriously if it doesn't mention Vitalum, like once, and that should be telling to people and just shows you what the narrative is being put out there, right? How can you not put it once? And just last week, um, he was response his gang was responsible for killing three police officers. But he's not mentioned in this report once. And this is the same dude allegedly from his side of the story has met with Paul, um, has sat down with politicians, which politicians represent the state. So and this is why I said before early too in Haiti, why it's a bit messed up because they're trying to there's this talk about mitigating gangs. This is focused on the G9, yet the actual gangs is no focus on. And then even then. A lot of these gangs are associated with political figures in Haiti, as well as business figures in Haiti, too, um, which is the part that's very messed up and messy, um, just messy in general. On July 6, 2022, the leader of the G9 coalition announced on social networks that he was going to carry out large scale attacks against the gang known as Brooklyn, based in the Brooklyn neighborhood because of its alleged links with the Katsamaozo gang and thus take control of this neighborhood. Okay, so this statement is 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 interesting because when you're reading the report, and then again, it said the G9 coalition announced on social media that I was going to carry large scale attacks against a gang known as Brooklyn, based in a Brooklyn neighborhood, because alleged links of Katsamaozo. Then again, does it show the full context? No, but here you see Katsamaozo mentioned, but then they're showing it. They don't really. <laughs> focus on the Katsamao Zo gang 
that kidnapped um, US, uh, North American missionaries about two years ago still, right? They're just saying, oh, the G9 was about to go attack um, the Katsamao Zo gang, yet they're the actual ones that are responsible for most kidnappings that are going on, right? But they don't mention that in that way in the report. They don't focus on Katsamao Zo or Vitalum. They're focusing on Jimmy Shirazier, coincidentally. Happens to be the guy that claims that again he's a revolutionary he's fighting against the system former police officer fighting against um the system and protecting neighborhoods as well so and then here you see here 32 other groups in the jpep coalition in particular the katsamao zo gang but then again so they say the other groups in jpep coalition in particular the katsamao zo gang but if you go back they don't put them, they, there's inconsistencies report. They don't put them in this report, but they want to mention them to kind of, when they, when they do mention them again, they want to give them that negative association with the Katsamao Zou gang. And I'll finish the sentence here. Other groups in the JPEP coalition, in particular, the Katsamao Zou gang based in Kwadebuke, attempted to support the Brooklyn gang during the month of July. However, they were stopped in Kwadebuke neighborhood by the group called Shemeshan, also associated with the G9. So these are two gangs that are mentioned, which are actual gangs, but then they're saying they're associated with the G9, which is completely false. And if they were, why wouldn't you put them in this little graph here, gangs associated with the G9, where I do not see Katsamaozo mentioned at all, or Shemijan. So we'll see how this goes. Um, clearly, the narrative is still to focus on Jimmy Cherizier. Um, there's no mention of Vitalom, Katsamao Zo. Maybe the plane that Canada sent will will shine the light on those gangs. Um, I hope so. Um, but we'll see because the narrative has not changed. I don't even think at least um, on a if people have been following this internationally, they would even know um, those two other gangs because they keep seeing just <laughs> Jimmy Cherizier. And he's the same guy, obviously, that keeps giving access to interviews. While the real thugs actually can't, <laughs> are not being able to get interviewed by mainstream media, um, and that could be probably because they're actual thugs and they can't <laughs> they can't guarantee the protection of these reporters or journalists going into these neighborhoods, right? So there's that. So next up, um, so U.S. is training Haiti police to combat gangs, but that's not its only security worry. So yeah, so. Right now, actually, there's a special unit getting trained, special SWAT team getting trained by U the United States to combat the gangs. Because obviously, as of now, um, the Haitian National Police is weak and they're not have many resources or the proper training to actually conduct these types of combat gangs. At the end of the day, if the Haiti had its military, they would be the people responsible to conduct these types of missions, but we do not have a military. Todd Robinson, the Biden administration official in charge of helping Haiti equip and bolster its police force, is under no illusion about the challenges he faces in helping a country root out kidnapping gangs that control at least 60% of its capital. A former journalist become a former journalist be before he became a career diplomat in the State Department. Robinson has a reputation for taking on tough assignments and delivering tough messages, especially on topics of democracy and human rights in the region. 
As ambassador of Guatemala in 2014 to 2017, he faced expulsion threats for more than once for speaking out. As charge d'affaires in the U.S. Embassy in Venezuela, a year later, he was booted out the country by later Nicola Maduro after the Trump administration called his presidential victory a sham. We have vehicles coming. We are working to get more armored vehicles delivered in the next few weeks. All this should be assigned to those that want to fight against violence and chaos in Haiti, Robinson told my Herald after inspecting some of the equipment being delivered. Traditional concern like cocaine and illegal arms trafficking in the Caribbean Sea, which now account for about half of all firearm exports investigations by U.S. federal agencies, remain high priority, but there are new threats. They include China. The U.S.'s phobia of China and its growing influence in the Caribbean and Latin America through an investment program known as the Belt and Road Initiative and its vast illegal, unreported, and unregulated fishing operations off the Galapagos Sea, Galapagos Island. I don't even know what this unreported, unregulated stuff that's going on, but in no way could the U.S. be the stand on the moral high ground on what's regulated, what's legal, what's illegal. Um, So I'm not going to look into that. You now have roads built by Chinese companies of questionable quality. You have infrastructure project being done on questionable quality, and you have grants and loans being made that are in many cases not favorable to the countries that are actually signing these contracts, but are favorable to certain politicians in these countries, Robinson said about the Belt and Road Initiative. Russia as well. All these things are on our radar screen. So obviously we're going, well, it seems like we're going into multipolar world in a sense that um, the U.S. won't be the only dominant superpower. Um... China definitely on the rise as well. And the U.S. sees that as a threat, specifically also in the Western Hemisphere. Um, As you know, back in the, well, not as you know, back in the 1920s, um, the U.S. president, um, I don't want to butcher this. Um, If it was not Eisenhower, I want to get, I'll get this back, but if it was not Eisenhower, it was Roosevelt, but they wanted mainly to maintain, um, um, West um, U.S. influence in the Western Hemisphere, um, and obviously Haiti being in the Western Hemisphere, Latin America being in the Western Hemisphere. Um, today, um, they see China as a threat because even then, Cuba had signed a um, a deal for the Belt and Road Initiative, which Cuba is in the Western Hemisphere as well. And you see more and more countries in Africa associating with China for these types of deals, and a lot of these countries are actually getting infrastructure projects built. Um, for example, um, um, like um, railroads, um, roads and trains. But you see the statement here. <laughs> They're saying you now have roads being built by Chinese companies of question, um, questionable quality. Um, at least from my view, I've seen them. They look great. Now, they could be who knows how they w- the roads will look. Maybe they're not good quality. We don't know that yet because it hasn't been 10, 20 years um, since any of these roads have been even built since the inception program so this is kind of kind of putting dirt on china kind of make it seem like oh like this is a bad this is a bad thing the way it's framed at least in the statement um because as much as um haiti has ties to the united states there's not once that the united states came in, oh yeah let's come in and build help you build this and nor do they owe haiti to do it but it's funny that once there's a country that's out here trying to establish relations and by doing that offering um, infrastructure, infrastructure, or development projects. Um, that's when the U.S. sees this as a threat, 
and they're questioning the the quality and also the loans because that's another thing um with the the loans uh china often gives concessionary loans to these um other countries so they can um build infrastructure on and the interest payback is really 0.01 however they do need to pay it back because then again one thing that is true china does have their terms so there are terms that if they don't pay, pay back in a certain amount of time um china there's been situation or time or certain deals where china can take ownership of a certain infrastructure piece of infrastructure if it's not paid back and those terms are obviously established in the deal um, prior for it to being signed but it has happened in a few countries in africa that weren't able to pay it back quick enough where china said well okay well um we'll take about um 30 of your imports of this port that we built for example or 20 of this um it has happened as well so on route to the airport robinson had one more stop to see a new swat team the u.s is training in action as an officer on the microphone explained the exercise, a group of trainees ran through a makeshift obstacle course, swinging on bars and crawling through tight spaces to reach the finish line. A mine-protected armored vehicle soon barreled across the yard, its backyard swing open as it took part in a simulated hostage rescue. SWAT has really, really developed, considerably, LB, the police chief told Robinson, as he expressed his gratitude for the latest equipment delivery and asked for more American-made armored vehicles. Day by day, they prove their maturity. They're working on discipline, respect of the principles, and the rule of law, LB said. In the risk theory of the Haitian National Police, SWAT is the unit that has the least number of cases of poor human rights or a lack of discipline. Impressed by what he saw, Robinson said the demonstrations are a real example of the progress that can be made in a short period of time with officers who are committed to doing the right thing. So then again, these SWAT, these, this unit is going to be trained to fight the gangs. But then again, I, one thing I just have to add to this is um, when it does come to fighting, where and who will they target, right? Um, will the actual gangs that are associated to politicians, um, entrepreneurs, or will it be, again, the G9 coalition that the mainstream and a few um, like um, A-class politicians are running with as well, so... Anyways, guys, thank you for tuning in. Um, when you get the chance, please like and subscribe. Thank you for watching and thanks for your support, guys. Um, I appreciate it very much. Take care.